0: Kia Koto and welcome to the Sustainability SUS Podcast. Kia ora, everyone, welcome back to the Sustainability SUS Podcast. Today we're joined by Elliot and Roz. Kia, Kia ora Ron. Hello, I'm Roz. Want to introduce yourself?
1: Certainly. Uh, I'm Elliot. I'm one of uh, Lizzie's new peers in the Sustainability Office. We're Great both, to have you here. Both student leads. <laughs> Very excited to embark on a semester of sustainability journeys.
0: And you're off to a flying start, love it.
1: Oh look I don't want to brag but uh, <laughs> Agency Festival, if any of you came to that that was a huge roaring success. That yeah,
0: was so much fun, that was, it was so was huge cool. wasn't it? Yeah.
1: And we're starting to wind some other events which we'll come to later on.
0: Yeah absolutely, yeah Elliot was the MC for the event and <laughs> you really kept it going really well. That's oh, the job isn't it? <laughs> um, and we're also joined by Roz so Rose is going to talk to us about attitude change around climate change.
2: Yeah, I'm a third year Basque student, Bachelor of Arts in Science, and nice. I study psych and genetics.
0: That is such a cool combination. What made you choose that?
2: Um, I don't actually know. I, like, <laughs> literally went to my careers advisor in first year, and, like, I was going to do philosophy, and he was like, I'm going to change you to be a psych major, because I was a psych <laughs> major myself. So he literally just, like, changed the course of my degree, like, made it my major, and then it's been my major ever since. So,
0: great. I love that. Just roll with it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so we're going to talk a bit about attitude change with climate change. So, was there anything that you guys felt made you have that switch to caring about climate change was that a gradual journey or was there something that flicked in a certain mind like what was that like for you guys
1: i feel like it's always tricky in current media because you get a, a whole barrage of statistics and mm. figures which clearly show it's there but in your real life it's always a bit hard to pick up every now and then
0: that's so true it's because like, mm. you learn all these things and then you come back to real life and then it's the same as it was before exactly and you can go on every day with your routine without thinking about it sometimes Mm. what do you reckon also with like
2: being kind of we've grown up with it whereas like other generations it's kind of a new thing whereas like for us it's like always been around Mm. like thinking about climate change and sustainability and how we can make changes and stuff like that so i feel like it's kind of different for us that's so true did you
0: guys get education about it at school
1: not really. I feel like it's it's a weird bit of anxiety as well because, as you said, Roz, we're born into it. Mm. And so it's already like, well, what can we do now considering we couldn't have done anything in the past 50 to yeah. 100 years where it seems like it's so much change has already happened?
0: You can't have as much guilt, eh? I mean, you exactly. You really start yeah. the problem. Yeah, that's true. I do not really think about it like that.
1: Yeah. How about you, Lizzie?
0: Um, yeah, I feel like it was definitely a gradual thing for me. But I think documentaries really would, like, spark a lot of, um... What's the word? like
1: Interest passion. or passion?
0: Yeah. Exa- yeah. And then it would kind of, like, fizzle off a bit again as, like, I got back into real life. But then I would watch something else or hear something else. But I definitely think mostly just, like, understanding the science of it more and more. And then I think once you do start seeing things, and it can be kind of hard to unsee
1: exactly. I think it could be a an element of understanding science and accepting science.
0: Because
1: mm. especially, it's not just climate change, you know, the science around us everywhere and just pure numbers that oftentimes we accept. Yeah. But I guess for some, it's, it's tricky to just take numbers and be like, yeah, that's real. Where mm-hmm. numbers just don't Yeah, fully I think it be
0: really hard as well when the stats that you hear are like, this many gigatons of carbon are being released into the atmosphere. It's like, what the hell is a gigaton? And mm-hmm. you think like... The atmosphere is so big. How can that be making an actual difference?
1: Mm, To be current, you guys hear about Taylor Swift?
0: Yes, I know. It's pretty grim, (laughs) isn't it? Such a Swifty as well. I'm so disappointed. (laughs) I know, but the thing about that is it's just... Private jets are ridiculous regardless. Like, I think it's just... I feel guilty for my economy seats. It's just mm, crazy to think you need an entire plane to get somewhere. And I think, I mean, the reason why Taylor's was the highest was obviously because her jet gets lent out the most, because she has a lot of money, so she would give that to other people. But, I mean, the real villain is everyone who owns a private jet, right? Yeah. Well, like, the people that are allowing this to be used in that way. Mm. As if first class isn't a stylish enough way yeah. to get around.
2: Like, have, like, Kylie Jenner made, like, an Instagram post where oh. she has, like, two planes on each side. She's mm. like, which
1: one? Kylie Jenner and <laughs> Travis Scott's, yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: Like, what Let's is see. that about? It's just ridiculous.
1: It's like when you book a flight in New Zealand and it asks you to pay, like, a little fee to offset your carbon. It's like five bucks or something. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, if we're paying five bucks, how much do they have to pay... For an a oh jet for themselves. God, yeah. They just won't be paying it. They aren't, yeah, exactly.
0: So, if, going back to attitude change, which, yeah, um, if you were to change a behaviour, are there certain methods which would make people more likely to change?
2: Yeah, well, attitude change comes about in, like, a whole bunch of different ways. It's, like, highly mm. researched, like, especially persuasion, because, like, yeah. there's a lot of, like, fake news. Like, we're in this, like, thing that they call, like, the post-truth era, mm. which is, like, basically, like, um, like emotions are more, like, salient than actual facts in media <laughs> these days. Like That's not hard to believe. Yeah, like, so it's, like, there's not as much, like, actual factual stuff that's, like, going around, so, like, a lot of attitude change can be attributed to, like emotional like plays on people's like psyche or whatever and so like attitude change is like these days like happening a lot because of like how people are like influenced by what they read and like you know it Mm -hmm. it happens in a lot of different
0: mechanisms that actually is really easy To believe in the way that when somebody that you respect or someone that you care about or someone that you listen to or watch on the TV, when they say something, it does resonate a lot easier than from a scientist or someone that maybe is a more reputable source. Even if you, you have like
2: a like an influencer, like if you have like Kylie Jenner who's like, <laughs> oh, like it's all good if we use private planes, you know, like that's gonna be more yeah. influential than a scientist being like, no, it's not all good. Like these are the consequences. People yeah. are still gonna believe
0: her, you know. It's so interesting because I reckon such a huge part of that is that when we get so much negative media and we're bombarded with so much negative information because there's so much fucked up stuff. Screwed up. Stuff, take that. Off. <laughs> <laughs> um, so <many laughs> shitty stuff happening <laughs> across the world that it it can be too much to digest. And then I guess, do you think that's why people like the lighter forms of information?
2: Yeah, and I feel like a lot of it's about trust as well. Like you trust mm. the people from what you see. Like if you're seeing someone who. You don't know that well, but you have like kind of a parasocial relationship with them. Yeah. You trust that they're going to give you information that you like yeah. will agree with, you know. Whereas like scientists kind of get a bit of a bad rap because they don't, they don't like, they're not as trustworthy, they're not as likable, they're not even as attractive as like hey. influencers. <laughs> so it's like a lot harder to like even just yeah. like pay attention to them, you know
1: true, you know, you mentioned there's so much negative news that goes around. Mm. So sometimes those little bits of good can just be completely buried.
0: Yeah. But they are out there. They are out there. And I think it's it's easy to focus on those negatives, but focusing on the negative isn't really good for anyone because people who care about the environment, if you're focused on all the negative things, it's going to weigh down your mental health, it's going to weigh down your physical health and then you won't be as useful for the cause of fighting climate change, which I thought was so interesting. Like, you're no use mm, to lowering emissions to if you're just it. upset about it. The yeah. And then making people upset about climate change is actually keeping climate change going, mm. if that makes sense. And I was like, yeah. that is so interesting. One of the, so, yeah, the yeah.
1: fascinating thing that I took away from the Agency Festival, one of the great mm. lines from the speakers is if, you're feeling any emotion doesn't have to be empowering or amazing. If it's guilt or despair or fear, it's still good. Mm. It's so much worse to feel absolutely no emotion than to feel any emotion at all.
0: Yeah, I think that's so true. And I guess it's just what you do the, with the emotion. Mm-hmm. I think it actually is so nice in the Susty Office or like when you find people with like minded views to work on things together and then you can really like channel that emotion into something positive and Mm. yeah and then i think when you are in those environments and it doesn't feel as doom and gloom Mm.
1: it's true this has all been quite emotive talk we have a we have a professional in the
0: room (laughs) who's been studying this within
1: the psychology (laughs) department Roz, why don't you you lead us through what you've been doing
2: so I'm looking into inoculation as a theory of like persuasion. So basically, it's this idea that you can give someone like an attitudinal vaccine, and you can introduce them to like a tiny bit of like counter attitudinal information. Like, say for us, that would be something that's like blatantly well, like a bit like anti climate change. You know, like denying it and then giving someone a warning about what this is doing to them like saying like oh this is gonna like go against your views and then that causes when they're like when they're faced with more like substantial evidence like someone's coming out with Mm. them with like a journal article being like this is why climate change isn't real they're less likely to believe that and they're less likely to experience attitude change because they've already like processed what they feel about climate change and they're like they've either come up with reasons or they've been given reasons why they like hold their particular
0: attitude so that like why they believe in climate change so it's like quite so if you have a opinion before you go in and then you get given information you're less likely to change your attitude
2: yeah so it's like if you're warned about something that's going to happen and Mm. you're also presented with like a little bit of like what it could be like you know like this is someone's going to come at you with like a journal article and that's Mm. like a warning and then when you actually do experience that you're way less likely to change your attitudes than if you just have the like journal article and you like read it and you're like oh wow
0: maybe this is true you know and then you change your attitude so taking that into real life if I wanted to change someone's attitude about let's say recycling and I wanted them to start recycling their bottles what would I do So,
2: basically, it's kind of like if you had, like, recycling bottles, like, if someone Mm. was, like, making, like, why you shouldn't recycle, you know, and, Mm. like, you're, you're, like, oh, no, everyone has to recycle, like, or, like, let's not have anyone influenced by, like, I don't know, feelings of laziness and not wanting to recycle, so you're, like,
0: Mm.
2: warning them about, like, either, like, what's going to happen if they, like, don't recycle, I guess that could be a way of doing it, or, like, just warning them, like, that, people anti-recycle for a p- particular reason. And then they're going to, like, be more likely to be on your side, basically. Kind of a hard concept to explain without <laughs> actually having, like, a decent example. Because I feel like recycling, that's something everyone mm. thinks of as being, like, pretty legit. You know, like, I don't mm. feel like there's many people who would be like, don't recycle. You Is know, it almost like... There's a lot of people
0: who think don't recycle. Really? That. Yeah. A lot of people just chuck everything in one bin. Mm. And you'd be surprised the amount of restaurants as well. My friend worked at a bar over summer. And, and they just all of their cans, all of their plastic bottles, all of their cardboard it all just went in the trash in the Really? Landfill. They didn't recycle it? It's and I would say it would be the same with a lot of big companies. Oh here I am going doomy and gloomy so. <laughs> <laughs>
1: To bring it back to that, that attitude inoculation, to be more less of a science-y example, is it like if you were in a jury and a defence lawyer comes to you and says the prosecution lawyer is going to say this thing and yeah. this thing to just warn that jury and say so when the prosecution does bring up they're like oh we've already heard this yeah it's not as bad because Mm. the other party told us it's not that bad so we're not going to listen to you
2: totally yeah it's often used in like political campaigns and Mm. things like that like like Mm. if like an example would be like if someone's about to come out with like a big piece of news that like maybe like a senator like cheated on his wife or something often they'll like get to the press before and like put something out that's like like dampening it and then when it actually happens it's going to be less like salient to the people that are reading it and so they're less likely to be like think of him as a bad person do you reckon
1: that's almost played into how climate change has been politicized how it's a political tool
0: yeah that's so true so i guess it would be kind of like someone coming out so someone who's anti-climate change or like anti (laughs) anti anti-combating climate change could say People are gonna come and talk to you and tell you not to recycle, but that is really stupid because it's gonna be really bad for the economy and we're not gonna recycle them anyway, so just keep throwing your things in the trash. And then if people receive that information and then get told to recycle, they're gonna be like, No no no. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Okay, yeah, yeah.
1: Does that leave it then? That's really interesting. Yeah, does that leave it as a race? Because we talk about getting there yeah. first and being the first ones to tell them before someone else does. Is that leave it as a race of information?
2: I think it's not so much a race, but what they already believe and what information they get okay. and how good that information is. Like, mm. if you already believe that, like, recycling is a good thing and then someone comes... You might consider the idea that it's, like... Yeah. But, like, I feel like you're more likely to... Because it's not just, like, a subconscious thing. I mean, sometimes it is, but, like like, quite often they're, like, thinking about it, like, I guess, more consciously, Mm. and so, like, if you're, if you already get something that's, like, anti-your attitude, then you're probably more likely to, like, think about it, and then, I don't know, I feel like it's, it could work in two ways, for sure, like, we've discussed that in my lab, but, like, Mm. it kind of depends on the individual, I think, of it.
0: So did you find, I don't was this part of your study, but people that believe in climate change, do they tend to have more reasons for that belief than those who didn't? Was there a correlation between the evidence behind people's opinions?
2: Well, so basically
0: we, they, we, we had like three conditions.
2: Either we didn't ask for any reasons why they believed or didn't mm-hmm. believe in climate change. We asked for two reasons or we asked for eight. So they really only had like two, eight or zero boxes to write their okay, yeah. reasons in. But, like, yeah, the reasons that they give are pretty interesting themselves. (laughs) What are some of them? Some of them are just kind of, like, kind of, like, well-meaning, but, like, in a whack kind of direction. Like, (laughs) we've had ones that are, like, you know, they mean well, but they're just trying to raise our taxes, you know. (laughs) (laughs) It's, like, kind of funny. But we have had a lot of, like, ones who are, like, like, giving proper evidence about why climate change is happening. So that's kind of heartening in a way, Mm. you know. Yeah, that is good
1: yeah, it's fascinating that there are those reasons that come out that's not like anti climate change. like, oh, the scientists are lying to us, yeah, but it's mm-hmm. so separate. It's no longer science. It's just, oh, it's a social thing. It's yeah. a government thing instead of actually being an environmental scientific thing.
2: yeah, totally. And I feel like like climate science is like it's not just scientific, it's like so social, you know, like you have mm. to get like mm. the public involved and you have to get them like, yeah. Believing you mm-hmm. to like actually mm-hmm. communicate science properly,
1: because yeah. I've mentioned that news now in that that post truth era that you mentioned is becoming more emotive, less scientific. Yeah, is that then what is necessary for those pro climate change views to try and make them more accessible to the public? Maybe making them a bit more emotional, a bit more, I guess, attractive to the average Joe.
2: Yeah. Well, honestly it's hard to tell like I don't know like what is the best solution to like getting people to really care it's a pretty big problem it's a pretty big <laughs> like it's like yeah hard to know whether like if you do make people more emotionally invested whether that will help like actually
0: change their attitudes or mm. whether that yeah it's so hard because so many people's opinions are so similar to like their parents or yeah. their mm. upbringing I mean I know that my opinions are very similar Yeah. Mm. Um. so yeah I guess it's we did talk in the um, agency festival about unlearning things. I think it's so interesting because it's so hard to do, but it's just really good that, I mean, on every issue, not just climate change, that you stop and think. Yeah.
2: Exactly. And I really beliefs, break say, down your where beliefs Where do they come from? Think, yeah.
0: Yeah. Exactly. and,
2: yeah. and I mm. feel like part of this like inoculation theory is that you're like activating like critical thinking, basically, like mm-hmm. you're getting people to think critically about the information that they receive and that's like a big aspect of like I mean, some people it really didn't work for, because we give them, like, this very clearly climate change denying article, and there's some people who are, like, writing the comments, thank you, this was so refreshing. Like, <laughs> I, was like, oh, I didn't realise that CO2 was good for the planet. It's like, no, that was not what we
0: were meaning. You can see how, though, if you didn't understand anything about science, that you could definitely make an argument for oh, why totally. CO2 is really good going into the environment. Yeah. You know, like, there mm. are certain ecosystems that do release CO2, and you could be like, this is positive. Yeah, It's yeah. just the natural way of life. Is that yeah. that the downfall of almost
1: (laughs) using science as a form of communication in that a lot of people will see some science and then just they'll just take it
0: that's so true if you don't understand science i mean when i don't understand something scientific i just trust it
1: yeah yeah i'm
0: like well that person obviously knows more than me exactly
2: especially if it like looks legit like Mm. if you see it even Mm. just like formatting like if you see something that's like well like Well, written out and like has Mm. a good font, and like weird (laughs) stuff like that. It's like it is more convincing than you think if it has like a couple of like references
0: in it as well. And I think it's also important to remember that we're all really lucky that we're university educated, and a lot of people don't have that privilege. Mm. So, things like going to find peer reviewed articles and knowing the right people to trust, you know, that's a real privilege that we do have Mm. that. And then I guess for a lot of people, it's what you hear, or yeah. if you hear it from someone that you trust, then you take it as truth, Absolutely, yeah. which is totally fair enough mm. I know that this isn't well trusted, but I see so much on TikTok <laughs> um, but there's such a problem where, like a journal article will come out, and then um, you know, like a reporter will write an article about that about the proper Mm. peer-reviewed article. They write something that goes out in, like, a Times or something like that. And then somebody reads that lightly and posts a TikTok of it. And then it's like, yes, that did originally come from a peer-reviewed article. But often what you actually... The end product that gets taken away, the final take-home message is often the complete opposite of what the journal was actually mm. saying in the first place.
1: Incredibly warped
0: sometimes. Yeah, though. I mean, I guess it's like a giant game of Chinese whispers. Yeah, like it could be <laughs> one tiny <laughs> sentence actually, and all of a sudden it it's a
1: catastrophe and everything's yeah. wrong.
0: Yeah, and also, the amount that you yeah, like, th- I heard a rumour. <laughs> like, yeah. I heard this somewhere.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, also, I feel like when you're watching TikTok, that's kind of like a downtime activity. Like, mm. you're not... Norm- mm critically thinking you're not Absolutely, like if yeah. you see an article that's interesting you're not going to go and fact check it like chances are unless you're yeah. like really inspired by it, the chances are you're probably just going to listen mm. to it and even yeah. if you think like there's this like effect called the sleeper effect that like even if you know something's not true and you know that the source is fake like if you hear like donald trump saying like i don't know oh yeah anything you can still like remember the information but you forget who says it so mm. you just like believe well you tend to like believe it and like it's just like that kind of actually a weird... does
0: make sense
2: yeah so like if you see a TikTok and you're like I know that that's gotta be fake but you, you're you still like subconsciously processing it you're still more likely to believe it
0: yeah this is kind of off topic but that's like Andrew Tate getting <laughs> so much friggin' attention oh right goodness. now but it's so dangerous because people it seems like a lot of people know that it's ridiculous and are just laughing at it but it's getting so much media attention and He's been searched up more times than Kim Kardashian and Donald Trump put together recently, like in the last week or something. And it's just terrible that the more you hear it, the more you believe stuff yeah. like that. I
1: guess. Yeah. I guess it's the trouble of giving people a platform. Mm. It's great to give them a platform and just say this is wrong mm. and trying to let everyone know. But as soon as you give them a platform, as you said, that information just gets out there no matter what.
0: Mm. Yeah. And Donald Trump used to be a joke. Yeah, and then literally. he became the president for four years.
1: Let's not joke about Andrew Tate like that. Not.
0: <laughs>
2: but <laughs> also, I feel like people like him kind of do things for notoriety as well. Like they're trying to make a name for themselves. They're mm-hmm. trying to get a platform. They want people to listen to them. Like even if it's yeah. like really like far right people, they still want people to listen. And yeah. I think
0: that's sometimes why people do say those ridiculous things because it gets the attention that yeah. they want. But then, like you say, then people start believing it.
2: Yeah. And even like people just like find us like they might have had like one little thought about it, and then mm. they like see someone who's like, put, like having their attitude very strongly. They're more likely to be
0: inclined to like believe them, you know. Mm. Wow, that is scary. So what should we do about that? Do you, what do you think? It's saying? a big question, isn't it? Yeah. I guess we need to really crack down on false news. I guess then it's a bit of a responsibility of like the things that you're saying. Really think about whether you believe them or whether, you know, the information that you store and you pass on to other people about whether that is from a credible source and whether you should be telling that to other people. Mm, Yeah. I guess we all have that responsibility in a way.
2: And I think, like, the internet's not going away. There's always going to be another Mm. Andrew Tate, you know. It's just, like, equipping people with the skills to, like, actually understand that they need to, like, think about what information they're taking in and, like, actually having, Mm. like, mechanisms that will help them stop listening to people like
0: that mm. yeah, this was wow. good fun this is good yeah i feel like that time went really fast i feel like we just started it has we're just best of friends we're just best of friends we're just <laughs> besties. Just chat wow goals <laughs> bestie goals oh amazing thank you everyone for listening and chatting through this with us um, it's safe to say we don't have all the answers but we're a bit more knowledgeable <laughs> than before mm. I guess it's just such a complex issue that you can't really come to a conclusion mm. but it's really nice to understand some of that psychology around it so when like you feel yourself going through that you can actually identify it and then be like wait a minute is that actually what I believe or did I hear Donald Trump say mm. <laughs>
1: thanks for having us Yeah, thank you for this having was us. very fun
0: Thanks for coming on. It's been heaps of fun. I've loved it. Um, come back anytime.